Hello, everyone, and welcome to One Control Warp Podcast, episode 298. Midgeman Yoder here today to talk to you about video games. It's going to be a little bit of a weird, delayed show this week. Uh, if you don't know, I am recording this podcast early. So uh, if there's anything crazy that happened, if they, if they finally announced Blood Knights 2, uh, sometime this weekend, then or last weekend for you guys, then uh, I, I am not aware of it in my current current uh, form at the moment. So uh, I am recording this a bit early, but uh, but yeah. So uh, this week we're going to talk about a, a handful of different things. Um, one is a little bit of a, some Dragon Quest talk here up front, more than anything. Uh, and I just want to talk a little bit about time, a little bit about um, some Japanese reviews and articles I've been reading, and just some of my general thoughts on them a little bit. Um, and then, uh, what else is there? Uh, some, some small announcements as well. We got a couple, two, couple announcements I wanted to bring up at the, uh, the end of the show. One I have hopefully maybe a longer conversation about. We'll see. I don't know. Uh, we'll see. We'll see if I have thoughts on it. I have, I have notes down here that say I have thoughts, but, uh, it's related to, you know, yet another Square Enix live service game shut down and a, uh, Litter Run game release that's tempting for me, but we'll see. You know my feelings on Litter Run games. If you don't know. I will re re reiterate them once we get there. So, um, yeah. So, you know, when you're hearing this, uh, I will have done my panel at Level Up Expo. So if you came to it, thanks so much for coming. Uh, if you are waiting for it, hopefully the recording turned out. And if it turned out well, then uh, then I'll go ahead and get that po- posted and uploaded on the One Control Port Plus channel. Um, so you should be able to see that uh, coming up here in the near future. Again, if it works out, this I am from the past. I have not even done it yet. So, you know, we'll see if it's actually uh, actually successful. I always worry about technical issues and things like that. But so far, all of them have been uh, uh, pretty good uh, uh, for the most part. They've all at least worked as well as I were, was hoping it would, given the equipment I have and some of the, the, the faults with that uh, that equipment kind of thing, too. So um, the other thing, though, um, so if you don't remember last week, I mentioned the fact that this podcast was going to be happening early. And uh, I talked about, like, maybe I was going to do a Dragon Quest Champions podcast episode where I talked about the Dragon Quest Battle Royale. Um, and while I'm not doing that today, I did do a video for that. And that actually went up last week. So surprise, surprise, that is on the One Control Port Plus channel as well because it is a unscripted video. So if you are interested in my thoughts about that beta test for Dragon Quest Champions, go check that out. Again, that is on the One Control Port Plus channel. Um, so yeah, it was a very kind of like quick and dirty video in some ways. I wanted to go ahead and get my, uh, my thoughts out there. I didn't look to see if there were a lot of other English language impressions, but I did see that like 4Gamer and Inside Games in Japan also, uh, had, had put some impressions up online. I saw somebody, um, uploaded a video as well of it too on, on YouTube. So anyways, give my full kind of breakdown there. It was a weird thing to record though, unfortunately, because it is a touchscreen only video game. And, uh, because of that, I, I had to, you know, plug it into my HDMI capture card um, using a screen mirror, which is not as clean as doing like a Samsung Dex mode, where basically you are just like outputting a dedicated screen to the the monitor you're on. So it's like when I was playing Final Fantasy VII: The First Soldier, it was almost like I was running a separate PC um, kind of thing, and so you just launched the app from there and you could play it with a controller and things like that. But in the case of Dragon Quest Champions, I had to play it on the actual phone. And uh, yeah, it was just kind of weird to, to record, and my phone, I have an S21 
Plus, I believe is what it's called. Uh, the resolution's weird on it, and unfortunately, that just means the resolution's weird on the actual video, too, because I can't, like, set it to 1920 by 1080 or something like that. So, it stinks, but, you know, I, I did what I could with it, and, uh, and, you know, I think it looks fine for the most part. So, it had a little, nice little textured background for my, for my Dragon Quest logo. So, um, so, yeah, but anyways, um, so that aside, that is there if you want to check that out please do so. Um, so one thing I actually looked at real quick, and this is kind of like a weird drop in here. So, you know, I, I have talked recently about going to Japan. I haven't set up any concrete plans, which tells me that it probably means that my original plans of going in early April will not probably work out. And I will probably not make it to the Final Fantasy X Kabuki show. But, um, you know, uh, you can dream the dream, right? So we'll see if that still works out. But uh, one other thing I was looking at as well was uh, on, I think it's Awaji Island. There's actually this place called, uh, or a theme park called Dragon Quest Island. And uh, I was noticing it again, like I'd seen it a long time ago. I forget when they first showed it off. It may have been like something they opened up like right as like COVID happened. Um, and then so they closed it right back down. But uh, they're actually like launching a new event, I think, in February. Uh, not that it matters to me, right? I'm just, you know, going there for the first time. Um, but it, it looks like, you know, pretty close to like, I think, you know, I think I've heard before like the Hogwarts thing at like Universal. You get like a fake magic wand. You could interact with things in the environment. I think like the Mario, uh, play uh, Mario, the Mario bro, uh, the Nintendo land stuff at Universal Studios also has like some stuff you can do there with like, you know, interacting with like certain walls and things like that. I don't know if there's like items you carry, but in the case of the Dragon Quest Island, it seems like you kind of carry around this little puck, basically like an NFC puck, I would imagine or something along that line of technology. And that like tracks your inventory and stuff. And you can go get keys that open chests and get items from the chest and things like that. What the end goal is, I don't really know, to be honest with you. Um, but was surprised to see that they actually do support English. So if you do want to go there and play all the, the character dialogue and stuff will be in English, um, at least the text for it. Um, I don't know how like, you know, polished it is or anything like that. It's kind of interesting because like Dragon Quest is a very Japanese thing, right? But kind of neat that they had that. I think there's like four or five different languages you could do. I think one was Mandarin and then I'm trying to what the other ones were, but English was one of them. So um, yeah, it's a little place southwest of Kobe. So um, I might uh, try to get there. It's, it's, it's not really anywhere near where I'd want to be. So it'd probably very much be something like I would just have to stop in that area for the day and go do that and then maybe something else there and then move on kind of thing, right? So very good chance I'd skip right over it um, unless there just was like a fairly painless way to get to it kind of thing. But I thought it was cute. Um, and, and, you know, I, I do like Dragon Quests aesthetically in a lot of ways, which is why I like the spinoff games and things like that. Um, but I'm not a huge fan of like the mainline Dragon Quest games so much. So anyways, that thing looks neat. But speaking of Japanese stuff and Japanese reviews, articles and all that stuff, well, we weren't talking about Japanese review and articles, Japanese things happen in Japan, video game Japan things. <laughs> um, uh, for today's episode, I want to talk a little bit about, um, uh, some of the like Japanese articles I read, uh, or I've been reading. So I, I don't know, like, I don't know how much I've talked about this. So when I do news, like research before the show, what I, what I do is I have like a feedly set up. And so I have various like RSS feeds that feed news to me from different websites. And, and the list has actually gotten quite a bit small in recent years. I really should probably find some more, um, um, outlets, but you know, like Silicon Air is on there. Uh, Ottoman Media, I think is what it's called. Um, and then also like, uh, I think VG247's on there just as like a kind of like, oh, here's like the kind of, 
I don't know how to put it, like mainstream gaming, not here, not even mainstream, like online core gaming audience who only cares about mainstream video games, like audience to see like what they're interested in and things like that. But uh, I, I ended up, it's filled that I feel, filled that feed up a lot with like Japanese news stories now. And I think that's definitely the way I've kind of leaned over the years. And, um, you know, I think on this podcast alone, if you listen to it, you already realize that. Uh, but, uh, so I've spent a lot more time, like, just looking at Japanese articles for games, and I used to usually just, like, look at screenshots, but now, at the very least, I, like, go through and, like, machine translate it and stuff and try to get an understanding of, like, what certain things are and what the, um, you know, mechanics of a game are and things like that without just, like, looking at screenshots and just being like, oh, okay, well, that's a video game and there's anime ladies in it kind of thing, right? Um, but I've kind of found like there's some interesting, I don't know if perspectives is the right word for it, but like some interesting ways that like they write about games there sometimes. And I kind of find, um, they're just being kind of a, I don't know how to put it, like some interesting different types of insights that they, they give in, in some of those articles. And sometimes it's like really silly sounding um, like, like for example, I was reading the uh, Dragon Quest uh, champions impressions from the uh, inside games, which um, I will say as like an article was not very uh, informative about the game itself very much, which maybe means that Square Enix has an embargo that I don't know about, but you know, don't, as long as they don't come after me, that's all that matters. Um, but uh, you know, so the guy who was like writing the article, I believe guy, I, I don't know. I guess I don't know the gender, um, but they were talking about like, that they were like Dragon Quest Champions as a game that is like a slow paced battle royale. It's like turn-based RPG combat and things like that. That it was the perfect battle royale to play with a kid on your lap. And, and basically saying that like, Oh, other battle royale, mobile battle royales are really intense. So if you're a parent with a kid on your lap, this must be a great experience, which, you know, um, I can kind of understand if that was like your experience that you like talk about that kind of thing, which is kind of interesting. But as far as I can tell from this article, he he does not have children or they do not have children. Again, I don't know their name off the top of my head here, at least in their, their gender. Um, they do not have children um, based off what I was reading in the article. So it was like this weird imaginary way to look at the video game kind of thing. And just like, it's like, I don't really... I don't really understand like why that perspective kind of thing, but um, sometimes I feel like a lot of Japanese um, reviews have kind of like, I guess it, it feels like there's like more focus on like the appeal, like who a game appeals to at times that I feel like that the, there isn't so much in the West as much. I mean, there's definitely things, but I feel like we kind of at the same time beat that out of people when it comes to like, hey, don't say this is like for fans of the genre, right? That's like a bad thing to do in your review a lot of the times or fans of the franchise or something like that. Usually that's like a wording that you want to kind of avoid. Um, but then there's like things like when I was reading the Babylon's Fall reviews and things that like they, they did, like they were they would talk often about like how like it's a great game for casual hack and slash fans. And and I think the the reason they were saying that was like the fact that it's a game that is, um, you know, I, I go into detail in my Babylon's Fall video about like what happened with that game's combat system and what's really there and what's, you know, where the problems probably actually lie with a lot of this stuff. But like it is a game that you can pretty much hack and slash through like pretty straightforward. And like obviously if you're a fan of Platinum Games, that's not super appealing. Um, 
but you know so it's like to see that like instead of just saying like oh there's no depth here it's like oh this is for casual hack and slash fans hack or whatever it was called they like did that whole thing where they shoved the two words together and like it took me a while to figure out what they were saying when they're saying like Haksra or something like that. Haksa, Hakasra or something like that. It was some combination of the the. I believe it's like the first, like Dragway is ja- Dragon Quest. Like I don't know. Anyways, um, so I guess like hack the beginning of hack and the beginning of slash. So it's like it's kind of interesting to see things like put in that way sometimes, where it's like, oh, let's focus more on like who this appeals to rather than like talking about like how this failed in all these certain ways, kind of thing. And I, I think there's something kind of appealing to that you know i, I want to say that like in reading this that like these are the handful of websites i read so it could very much just be a them thing um and and not so much like a cultural thing so it could just this is all anecdotal evidence really at this point kind of thing but there's a lot of discussions over the years that i that i would hear a lot of times from a lot of like western gaming journalists and things like that where um it was i feel like it was like complaining a lot about Japanese media and I think I, I kind of by 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 just hearing it would adopted their opinions that like you know Japanese games media did not go as hard on like being kind of super independent which um you know I can understand that right like Japanese like games media as a whole you know I think there's a, a great argument that it is too close to publishers in general and so if you like go to Japan it's like even more so that's the case then, um, you know, it's it's something that could definitely be viewed as problematic and things like that, right? Um, but I also, like, I, I feel like maybe I I was wrong in just, like, assuming that from people at times where they basically they're just like, oh, the reason why Famitsu games get higher scores in Japan is because they are, you know, less critical of developers and things like that. Um, and it, is, it wasn't, like, so much of a thing of, like, you know, how different cultural values about games and things like that might come into play. And I'm not saying that I know, like I don't have any knowledge beyond what other people have, but I think it just made me kind of question my assumptions in a lot of ways um, about like how Japanese games press cover things. And and I think it's been really kind of like refreshing to sit down and read a lot of Japanese game coverage and, um, you know, see some games get covered in like some interesting ways. And sometimes it's like completely valueless, um, <laughs> but you know, like, like sometimes they'll just like makes like the, 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 like the parent with a child sitting on their lap, like what, a, what a weird way to put that. Um, but, but I think it's like a, a really fascinating thing. And so I've actually been reading a blog recently from, um, this one, I think fairly small time blogger, um, called Aishisu, I believe is what it is. Um, with, I, I think it actually is like her blog is like I C I S kind of thing. So like, it's the sound of, of, of the, the, the name, uh, written out kind of thing in English characters, which is kind of fun. Um, but anyways, so I've been reading her blog a little bit and, um, it's, it's been interesting and, you know, I don't think it's anything too crazy for the most part. Um, but it is like, you know, fairly straightforward game reviews, accessory reviews. Um, they, they use affiliate leak links and things like that for Amazon, um, so, so pretty, pretty clear on the shoulder that she's doing that kind of thing. So I don't think it's like a, a, a secret or anything like that. Um, but it is kind of like interesting to see like the different statements that kind of come up in those reviews at times, like where like Horizon Zero Dawn, like one of the bullet points was like, this is a game for bow lovers is basically what it translated to. Again, all this is machine translation. So all very subject to being, you know, not, not actually accurate to what's being said, but it was like interesting thing. It was like a game for bow lovers. And then also every single game she reviews has 
a camera inversion section. So like, you know, when you list out like key facts about a game, if you're just trying to get some points across without like filling up the page. So it's like, okay, here's the video game name. Here's who made it. Here, here's how much it costs, things like that, right? What well, here's the genre. But one of the bullet points is camera inversion. And it, and it's on every game. Even if a game does not have a 3D camera, the camera version inversion thing is there. And it just says instead of like instead of you know just removing it, it says like not applicable for this game. And I think that's like super fascinating to like really focus on that one point. And, and I'd be really curious as to like why that's important. I haven't looked around to see like if there are other Japanese reviewers who who focus on that at all, like if it is such an important thing that that it is like something that is actually noted as like a key point of the review kind of thing and and is included kind of no matter what. So, um, you know, I, I think it's like uh, kind of a fun thing. So anyways, I, I've just been kind of enjoying, I think, consuming a lot of Japanese games, news media and stuff like that more recently. I think it's been kind of refreshing to some extent. Um, I think a lot of this does come from my frustration, I think, with um, a lot of game discussion in general. Um, but, you know, I think the, the, when when I'm reading Japanese game news and things like that, um, it is it is a foreigner coming into that space without the understanding of the Japanese language, right? So I think it's easier to overlook the problems of Japanese game coverage in that way because I don't understand everything that's being said. I, I don't have full context for things a lot of times, right? And so I'm not sitting there saying that like one's better than the other, other, but it's been like a nice, um, it's been a nice like way to kind of, I think, disconnect from a lot of the game news John or drama of like uh, a lot of, I feel like American outlets where I feel like a lot of times or, or Western outlets where I feel like a lot of times, like there's always like the drama of the week, right? Again, I'm not saying Japan doesn't have the drama of the week on, on Japanese game stuff. Like, don't get me wrong. Um, but like, and, and at least in my ignorant way of just looking at these websites once in a while and digging into them occasionally um uh it's been like a refreshing change of pace and things like that so um but one thing actually actually one thing i do want to mention about um aishisu's blog is it's something i've been thinking about a long time um and but even before i was reading her blog but you know i think if you if you've been on the streams or something like that you'll know i've talked a lot about wanting to get people involved in something on the podcast or not the podcast on, on my channel in general, could be the podcast, could be the streams. That's kind of like what the, the community reviews was, was to do was like involve people in it. And, um, I think Aishisu does a really good job where like in the middle of her review, like, like it's just kind of plopped in. There's like, Hey, my friend was playing this game at the same time. Here's her like two sentence review and her, her, her star score kind of thing. Right. Or like I played this multiplayer friends with games. And so I went ahead and uh, included their opinions as well. You know, these are all very small, straightforward things. And they're thankfully like complimented with like a really cute, like little character portrait and things like that too. Um, the whole site's very cute and it very, I don't know what it's called, but it like, has that very much that Japanese style of like, you know, um, you know, characters kind of talking to each other and you know i imagine most of it's like fake just one person writing you know the questions and the answers kind of thing um but making it a more conversational style but i'm pretty sure the friends that she's playing with are real and that's their own comments kind of thing so it's like really easy to just drop a face and say this is who this is here's how they felt about it and here's their star rating kind of thing and I think that's like a really cute, fun way to kind of integrate that kind of stuff. But, um, you know, I think it's the challenge with me is that like, I think most of the time when I am trying to encourage conversations about games, I, I feel like I'm trying to encourage a conversation that is deeper than just, is this a good game? Is this a bad game? And I don't, I don't know if like a sentence or two could really get across what I would want out of people. 
um, if if I were to involve them in some way. But I, I do think I continue to want to involve people. But the logistics of it is 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 concerning to me. Making sure the the communication that's happening in those or the conversations that are happening are conversations I'd want to have. Right. I don't want to necessarily open up, you know, people to comment, and then I find that. Um, the comments I'm getting are very unhealthy in a lot of ways, right? Um, and having to kind of deal with that and and figure out, you know, how to communicate that. We need to change that approach without coming off as being like too, um, too aggressive and too 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 like you know shoving people down and like you know crushing them kind of thing, right? So it's still a struggle. Um, I, I think for a long time I've really wanted people to come on stream, but I think that the reality is is that like my stream's not big enough for that to happen. So I still kind of question, you know, the, 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 the capability of me being able to do that. So, um, maybe something I kind of reconsider again for the podcast in some ways. I think this is different than like, I would say, um, peer to peer kind of podcast stuff though, where like, I'm trying to bring somebody on to talk about a particular topic. Um, I think this to me, it's a bit of a different thing. If you're like bringing in like a bunch of people with a bunch of different opinions kind of thing. Um, uh, so Yeah. Um, and that, like, I'm just kind of soliciting somebody to provide an opinion versus, like, you know, having a conversation with somebody about a genre or something like that, right? So, anyway, it's just some general thoughts I had, but I've been really enjoying kind of going down the Japanese uh, games media train, and, and, and for a while I was also doing, like, Japanese game streaming stuff, but it is hard without knowing Japanese of just, like, you know, enjoying those streams. But I, I do kind of enjoy the simplicity of them as well because it is very just, like, um, you know, usually not anyone on camera, very quiet, and then it's just, you know, kind of whatever. But, you know, I'm watching, like, retro game streams. I'm not going up to, like, oh, what who's playing Final Fantasy 14 right now and seeing, you know, who's the biggest one, you know. Go to a VTuber stream. It's definitely a lot more elaborate, right? So... Anyways, those are just my thoughts on on that general thing here. But, uh, yeah. It's time. It's time for Jillian's input, though. Jillian is going to ask questions right now of me. And uh, the question is one that I think is going to be pretty quick to answer for the most part. But I, I, I tried to change it a little bit maybe not change a little bit i tried to think like um make alternate answers because i feel like my my current answers are actually kind of boring so jillian asks us the question of what's a cheap game you really love and if you know me the reality is is i i mostly buy most of my games cheap to be honest unless i'm particularly going on my way to support you for your the game you put out kind of thing i'm usually looking for a deal um and and you know well maybe i shouldn't say a deal you know, I did that whole presentation at the, the what's it called, KomoriCon that was like, don't look for deals. I'm looking for things that I think are worth their value to try. And a lot of the times I'm approaching things that I do not know much about. And so the value that I'm willing to pay to try is often very low. So I do spend a lot of time paying, you know, three, five, eight dollars for video games, probably more around five to eight dollars in recent years, pretty much since like 2020. I feel like everything's at least five dollars, more likely eight dollars, though, um, at least here locally in Las Vegas kind of thing. So um, but whiskey is definitely kind of the big one. But I talk you guys uh, talk your ears off about whiskey all the time. So I'm going to put that to the side here. Um, another one that we talked about recently, so I'm not going to actually, you know, add it is uh, I really like that cinnamon roll game. That was a real fun game. It's really cute and fun. Um, I need to get the podcast highlight up for that thing because I just love how that game looks and plays in a lot of ways. So um, I would love for there to be a, a good review of that game online. I haven't looked to see if there's that many other reviews, but I don't think I saw any when I looked last time. So 
Um, so anyway, so I, I decided to uh, pull up an older story. I went through my backlog and just tried to find like situations where I felt like I got out of a situation. Where I was like, yeah, I saved money because like when you think about cheap games today, like you know, so many games are free to play games now. That, that's like the ultimate cheapness, right? Um, and there was one particular memory I had from when I was like 13 years old, I think, where I I, I just moved out to Georgia. And, um, there was a, I forget what the store was called. It was like some kind of camera company store. And they had a very small video game section. I bought Mario Party 7 and Odama there, I think, or something like that. I'd bought a couple games there over the years, but they they were not particularly cheap, I would say. It probably was a bad place to go buy games. Because, like, I think Mario Party 7 might have been fairly old at that point. I was playing, like, full price still. Um, but anyways, uh, all, all that aside, um, so, uh, so they had like a bargain bin and I believe the bargain bin was two video games for $10, if I recall correctly. So it was $5 each video game, or at least that's, I recall that's how it was marked. And the two video games I picked up was Tony Hawk's Underground and Dark Cloud. Um, however, at that time, even $5 is pretty standard for the type of game I was buying a lot of times that day, but what was even cheaper was the fact that they rung it up wrong and uh, <laughs> and it was $5 for two games instead of $10. So I got them for $2.50 each. Brand new sealed copies. I believe Dark Cloud's a greatest hits version. I don't know about Tony Hawk Underground. I think that was a black label. But uh, yeah, I mean, look, I'm not a, the biggest fan of Dark Cloud. I do super respect Dark Cloud for what it is. I don't know how people feel about that game in the modern day. It's very cute in a lot of ways, though. Very, It feels like one of those early PS2 games that just has kind of like an otherworldly feel and, and like the same way that like Evergrace does in some ways. Where like there's a weird amount of detail, but also it didn't really like get that far away from the more like I'd say um low budget mystical approach that a lot of like PS1 games felt like they had at times. Um I don't know what Dark Cloud's budget was, but it definitely doesn't feel like the most like polished experience. And I think it is fairly early PS2 games. So um but I still enjoyed it even though like I did not understand how to play that game. I did not understand I did not know there was crafting in that video game basically until I beat the game and it was like, oh, there's crafting in this game, which if you play Dark Cloud, you know crafting is kind of the thing in that video game. So I, I definitely put myself through some trouble um uh getting through that game without crafting. But uh but yeah, but Tony Hawk Underground was a great video game, right? Um, I, I can't remember for sure, but I believe it's like the first Tony Hawk game where you can get off the board and like walk around and there's like a story mode and stuff like that. And, and I super appreciate the story mode. Thought that was super fun. I love sports games with story modes. I think that like makes it way more exciting and interesting to go through than just like a gen- generic campaign mode that feels more like a, you know, fantasy football kind of thing, right? Um, but I, I really like that game a lot and I seem to recall like the stage design just being really good and stuff. So I, I adored Tony Hawk Underground um, and, and really enjoyed it. So uh, that's probably the, the one of the first games I felt like I got a deal, even if I did maybe uh, get a, a better deal than I was expecting to. So <laughs> anyways, hopefully that's a good answer. I think those were two fun games, though. Uh, my Dark Cloud game got sun damage, though. So the spine is like a uh, big red red instead of like a uh, normal red. It's like a faded red now. So uh, I don't know about Tony Hawk Underground. There's definitely, a, I think it was um, Metal Gear Solid Twin Sakes. I think a, the spine for that on mine is also sun damaged as well. So used to have a window right by my video games and, you know, just and stuff happens, right? Stuff happens. I need to probably, like, I've been here for so long at this current apartment that I probably should have gotten, like, some kind of UV protection thing. But, you know, here we are today. So, 
<laughs> Thank you again, Jillian, for your question. I appreciate it. And uh, and yeah, look forward to next Jillian's question next week. <laughs> so yeah, still haven't really figured out if I want to open up questions again outside of Jillian. Uh, but you know, if you do want to ask questions, feel free to reach out. Happy to happy to answer them. So. And a uh, quick reminder that, you know, I, I do have the Kofi page open. I'm still trying to figure out what exactly to do with that thing. Um, but uh, if you want to support me, you can feel free to go donate there or set up, schedule a monthly donation as well if you'd like to as well. But completely open for you to donate whatever you want. Got two news stories here to shut down the show with. Shut down the show, baby. Um, <laughs> well, the first one here is a little bit of a frustration on my part, unfortunately. Um, but, you know, I'm going to try not to stress about it too much. Linerun Games announced that they are doing a physical copy for Shin-Chan, Me, and the Professor uh, on Summer Vacation, The Endless Seven Days Journey. What a long title that is. Uh, if you don't know, this is that Shin-Chan game that's developed by the Attack of the Friday Monsters and Boku no Natsu Yo... Yo I don't know how to pronounce it. The My Summer Vacation series that Sony used to do. And uh, But it's a Shin-Chan version of it, and I generally heard pretty good things about it. Um, and I really wanted to try it out, and last August, I passed on it because Xenoblade Chronicles uh, 3, and then found out later, it's like, oh, there's no physical? Well, that means maybe next year I'll go ahead and pick it up whenever whenever it comes out. And then, so Limited Run Games getting it means that I wouldn't be able to look at it this year either because the physical would be probably not shipped to me until next year. So, um, unfortunately, it's a little bit of frustration for me, but... Uh, I believe they're accepting pre-orders starting on the 21st. So if you do want to go buy that physical copy, you can. I think I might just settle with the fact that I might just get a digital copy. So I, I just really like, I don't want to buy that and then want to play it and then sit there and be like, well, it's a year until I get it. I really don't like that limit run business model thing, but I've complained enough about limit run as a whole in the past. So I'm going to leave that be, but I feel like anytime limit run games ends up as the publishing partner for any of these video games, I get very disappointed. Um, and I don't, do not believe the Japanese version of those games have English on it though. Feel free to let me know if that's not the case. Cause I would gladly buy a Japanese cop copy on demand if available. So, and the last story here is about yet another Square Enix live game shutdown. If you don't know, Square Enix has been shutting down live games for a very long time. Um, but in the last year in particular, it's been pretty bad. I don't think they've uh, had any successful live games that they launched in the last year. And another non-successful live game for them is Echoes of Mana, which launched in May 2023 and is now, oh, sorry, launched in April 2022 and will be ending in May 2023, unfortunately. So uh, I don't know anything about this game. I did not know that it even existed. Um, but I did uh, have a discussion with a friend that was kind of interesting that mentioned the fact that like, hey, um, like, d d does this hurt people's faith in live games or Square Enix live games specifically, right? If, um, Square Enix is shutting down games every 12 months, like why, why would you invest money into something that's temporary like this, right? Um, and I think that's totally valid. Like, obviously you can still play the game and have a great time with it. That's what I do with live games and, uh, doesn't change that you can or can't play those games. Um, right. Uh, but you know, those games are meant to make money, right? All video games are, well, not all video games, but most video games are anything from Square Enix sure to hell is trying to make money. Right. Uh, and it's just, um, you know, it's an interesting question of like, do people feel burned by it at all? And I think, you know, it's been a little bit more high, higher profile recently. There's been a lot of other live game services shutting down as well. I think largely probably do the economy and, um, you know, the kind of the recession fears in the future. I feel like that's probably what's driving a lot of these, these, uh, live games to get kind of wrapped up. Um, but, um, but yeah, I think it's a great question and I don't know what the answer is to that, honestly. But, um, when I was playing, uh, Final Fantasy VII, the first soldier, when that game shut down, 
There are definitely multiple people in that Discord chat that mentioned the fact that they paid thousands of dollars on that video game. And, um, you know, it sucks in a lot of ways. I think there's a great question to be had about, you know, whether or not, you know, companies are responsible for people kind of irresponsibly spending that amount of money with them. If, um, you know, government's responsible or if it's a personal responsibility, right? I think there's, there's many layers you could look at that. And, um, and, um, you know, I, I think in some ways for me personally, I look at it as similar, like gambling addictions. And, uh, I think we, we probably need to look at, um, protections that we at least give to gambling addicts, right? I would think that would probably be the, the bare minimum that we should probably do. Um, because I do think that, I mean, I think it's pretty clear that this kind of stuff typically like is, is intended to scratch the gambling part of your brain. But, um, you know, it's hard to say, you know, I know in Europe, they've had some regulations around that stuff and that's like straight up Nintendo's just like, well, we just won't do business in your area kind of thing. Right. Um, so, you know, there's, there's definitely some frustration there with that kind of stuff. Um, so I don't know how you protect people with that kind of thing. Right. And, uh, you know, I don't know who's supposed to protect people and what the right answer is to that, but I think it's an interesting conversation at the very least. Um, so, but rest in peace guy who guys, guys and gals who spent a lot of money on first soldier though. <laughs> my, my rule of thumb is that any money I spend on a live service game, um, should be whatever money I think it's worth spending on the video itself. And most of the time that means, you know, not spending until I know, you know, what a value a game hat was for me. And sometimes that means when I'm done playing the video game, I will go and spend on pulls and things like that to be like, okay, this game felt like a $20 experience. I will pull or sometimes not even pull. And just that's the last time I play the video games when I gave them the money that I was just like, thank you, I'm done. Here's here's my money, right? Um, and I think that's like one of the best ways you can handle those experiences is just figure out what a game is worth to you. And if you're going to pay money while you're actively playing, like a smarter person probably would, um, you know, kind of keep track of like what you're paying and, um, what you think that experience is worth. Cause I think it's very easy to let that stuff get out of control if you're, if you're not watching that stuff. Right. So I think we all are very bad about, you know, being able to, to, to let small costs add up. Right. It's like the, the convenience store issue that you have with like gas stations, things like that. Right. So Anyways, that's it for this week's week. That is this. That is, I'm going to say words correctly today. Um, that is this week's podcast. Thank you so much for coming. Um, like I said, the panel, I'll try to get that up sometime in the near future here. But if you did not go see it, go check out my Dragon Quest Champions video that I went put up last week. The other thing I did, I did not mention this at the start of the show. I did a Valentine's Day stream um, where I played Shooting Heart, a Dojin game based off the romantic adventure game called Two Heart. Um, and it is a, uh, a shooter, Dojin shooter, where you shoot things. So um, we, we tried to beat it on normal, failed, and then we beat it on easy and played a little bit of First Kiss Story minigame stuff at the end of the stream too. So um, so if you want to go check that out, you can go check out the archive for that as well. There should be a playlist on the One Control War Plus channel for that if you are interested for one-time streams and, and full streams in general. So anyways, that's it for this week. I hope you guys have a great week. Bye.